From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is scheduled to vote for tomorrow on the left's deceptively named Women's Health Protection Act. The measure was a reaction to the Supreme Court not blocking Texas's heartbeat bill from going into effect. We go back to Washington. We will be putting Roe v. Wade codification on the floor of the House to make sure that women everywhere have access uh, to the reproductive health that they need. That was uh, Nancy Pelosi at a press conference uh, during the congressional break back when the court refused to block Texas's bill. The push for the legislation reveals not only the left's allegiance to abortion, but also reveals something else, that despite the claims of Roe being the law of the land, it's really not. And states are successfully challenging. We'll get the latest from uh, Capitol Hill from Congresswoman Mary Miller of Illinois. And in advance of the vote on the left's pro-abortion measure, House Republicans held a special order last night on the sanctity of human life. Much has changed since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973. Four decades later, our medical capabilities and understanding is far better. And with incredible advancements in modern sonograms and imaging, there can be no doubt that a child in the womb is a living person deserving of life. That was Congresswoman Jackie Walorski of Indiana, and I'll have more on those pro-life speeches from last night, which provides a tremendous contrast between the two parties. And speaking of contrast, the race for governor in Virginia between Democrat Terry McAuliffe and Republican Glenn Youngkin is providing a clear contrast on the issue of life and a host of other issues. Let me be clear. Glenn Youngkin has said, I will go on the offense, I will defund Planned Parenthood, I will ban abortions. Glenn Youngkin wants to turn Virginia into Texas. We're not going to allow it. That was Terry McAuliffe at a press conference earlier this month. FRC Action's Brent Kylan will join me for a look at that very close Virginia governor's race and where the two candidates stand on the issues. These state elections are extremely important. Our Federalist system was designed so that states could keep a president from overstepping. Hint, hint, we've got one. Well, frankly, that has not always been the case where we've had states willing to hold presidents accountable. But now we have a large number of Republican governors that are resisting the overreach of this administration. One of those governors is Mississippi's Tate Reeves, who is locking arms with other governors on a on a host of issues, everything from border security to vaccine mandates. Governor Reeves, Reeves joins us later. And yesterday, hundreds of pastors joined me for a special Zoom call to discuss the pressing issue of the vaccine mandate. I assembled a panel of experts to look at both the legal and constitutional issues, as well as the theological aspects of the mandate, as pastors try to help their congregations navigate this unnecessary reality that has been forced upon us. The Department of Labor will soon be releasing directives to organizations with more than 100 employees mandating the vaccines of uh, their employees. And I've asked one of those experts to join me today to take a closer look at this mandate. Is it constitutional? What action, if any, can you take? Law professor and former commissioner on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, Bob Destro, joins us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything on your way home tonight, you can catch it all later at TonyPerkins.com. Let me remind you, coming up October the 6th, 
through the 8th is the first Prevost Stand Summit. Be at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, after Texas's Heartbeat Act went into effect earlier this month, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi pledged to bring to the House floor a bill that she said would codify Roe versus Wade. Well, that legislation, the Women's Health Protection Act, is actually far worse than Roe. It does so much more, but it's also an admission that we've been playing along with this court decision for more than 40 years. Joining me now to talk about this radical legislation is Congresswoman Mary Miller, who represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. Mary, welcome back to the program. Thank you. It's a privilege to be on here. Uh, Mary, I know you were one of those speaking last night uh, on Mm -hmm. the House floor regarding the sanctity of human life. This bill that... Nancy Pelosi is pushing forward. It's deceptively named about women's health care. You know, (laughs) abortion is not health care. But this limits what states can do. This goes far more, far much further than what uh, the court's decision on Roe does. Tell our listeners about it. Sure. Well, first of all, what I want to say is I'm very encouraged that 100 percent of the Republican Congress is opposed to this abortion bill. It's, it's a radical and um, it's just continuing this culture of death. Um, you know, Satan is all about promoting death, destruction, and deception. Uh, number one, the title of the bill, Women's Protection Act, is completely deceptive. It's not about women. Uh, these people are not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. They are overriding the will of the people. They are crushing um, the the rights and the freedoms that states have uh, to, you know, implement their own laws in this area. Um, You know, different states have laws about um, requiring sonograms, informed consent. Uh, This is going to take away all the state laws that have been protections against um, promoting abortion. And um, personally, I the highest privilege I could have in this position as a member of Congress would be to promote the end of this terrible thing that has been going on in our country, that we would weep and mourn over what's going on. There have been um, issues in the past. You know, we can bring up slavery or um, sterilizing certain groups of people where we have admitted we were wrong and we changed course. And I just implore people to change their minds. We have a window to the womb and it's the ultrasound. And these the very same people that have been screeching from their ivory towers about follow the science are refusing to follow the science. And in every way, I feel like we're bringing the wrath of God down on our country he is a God of mercy, and I hope that we change course. I want to highlight that every single Democrat is for this, and every single Republican is opposed to this. And I just want to thank you, Tony, for the great work you and Family Research Council and so many people, so many other people and organizations have done to bring light into the darkness in on this issue. Well, Mary, you bring up some really significant points. Number one, I want to underscore what you said about every single Republican 
uh, is opposed mm-hmm. to this bill. And this is significant. Yes. Uh, I've been here long enough now that I've 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 been here than longer than most members of Congress, almost 20 years, and mm-hmm. that's not always been the case. We uh, prior to 2018, there were a number of uh, pro-abortion Republicans. That's not the case anymore. Uh, none yes. of them are openly, if they support it, they certainly aren't mm-hmm. open about it. So you've got a unified Republican Party on the life issue. That's significant. It's the result of elections. Mm-hmm. It's the result of people being involved, and it's important. But you also talk about the – well, Jackie Warlorsky talked about this, about the technology. Mm-hmm. This bill yeah. would block the use of technology, so it closes that window to the womb about following mm-hmm. the science. They're afraid of the science. They want to hide the yes. science. And, mm-hmm. and you bring that forth – that this is, you know, look, we'll follow the science. They're afraid of the science. But the spiritual aspects of this, mm-hmm. you talk yes. about changing the minds. We're on the mm-hmm. verge of the court mm-hmm. taking up this decision in the Dobbs case. That could be huge for our country, could it not? Yes, definitely. But I, one thing I don't want to do is it's, you know, definitely it's come to the legislative and also the judicial level. I mean, that's where it's going to end. But the good work is being done by what I call the ground troops, the people Mm -hmm. that are working to inform Americans about the the truth about this. Um, I've talked to several people that are involved, um, you know, in ministries, ministering to women, and they have told me, they've thrown out figures like 80 and 90% of women who have a sonogram change their mind. And, you know, there are states that have laws so that women can make informed consent. And this bill, the Women Protection Act, you know, so deceptively named, will roll back um, the state laws. So, yes. You're right. And and that's... um... Those laws, as well as the care pregnancy centers that are helping these women who have these unplanned pregnancies, that's why we're actually here. That's why Mm -hmm. the left is fighting so desperately to codify into law something that we've played along with. It's been a court decision. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been law. It's a court decision. But the court now, because of the public and where the states are, is being forced to revisit this. So Mm -hmm. it is a combination, but you're your point about the spiritual nature of this, I don't want our listeners to miss it. I believe we're at this point before the Supreme Court, December 1st, the mm-hmm. court will hear the oral arguments in the Dobbs case. That's because I believe of the decades of prayer, of repentance, mm-hmm. and yes. of the practical work of walking alongside those that find themselves in these unplanned pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And so the left's response, as you pointed out, doing away with the state's Uh, provisions on ultrasounds prior to an abortion, requiring, uh, prohibiting states that would require medically necessary Mm in-person visits before an abortion, restricting uh, states that would restrict telemed abortions would be prohibited. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, uh, they are targeting everything that has brought us to this point. I'm surprised, and it may be in the small print, I haven't looked at it, that they may be trying to ban crisis pregnancy centers as well. Well, I mean, it's hard to say what they want to do. And even, I want to bring up that even the pro-choice people, 66% of them are opposed to abortion through the ninth month. I mean, this is completely radical and evil. It's expansive. They're afraid because they know we're winning. 
And we're not going to give up. I, I'm actually inspired by William Wilberforce. He spent his whole life fighting against the slave trade. And um, I believe it was just days before he died that finally uh, the slave trade in England was um, abolished. And, um, you know, I, I want to encourage people not to give up and, you know, to keep on praying, to speak truth into this issue. And um, but, so I have a, our youngest daughter is a teenager and um, she's very involved in this also, but she's encouraged me that young people are pro-life and I'm very grateful for that. And I do think it's because of the good work that, you know, organizations, you know, like you and uh, focus on the family, the um, pro-life pregnancy centers that are reaching out to women when they find themselves in these, um, you know, fearful positions. And, you know, let's face it, when it's legal and when it's, quote, free or paid for with our tax dollars, it's an inducement to women to do it. And um, I'm, you know, this, it's, it's got to end. People need to really fear God and realize that how terrible the wrath of God can be on us for this. And, it, you know, the scriptures say that mercy has triumphed over judgment, but we need to enter into that mercy and yeah. to repent and turn away from this grave national sin. And the window, I don't know how long it's going to be open, but it's open for us now. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I would encourage our listeners all over the country to do that. Mary Miller, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining us and uh, thank you for your leadership. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Stick with us. We're coming back on the other side of this break with more Washington Watch with Governor Tate Reeves. Don't go away. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and FRC Action's inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and the truth of God's Word, we've launched Pray Vote Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia from October 6th through the 8th for the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Register online at prayvotestand.org slash summit or by calling 877-372-2808. 
More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's Word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, uh, we ran out of time in that last segment. I want to encourage you to weigh in with your members of Congress on the Women's Health Protection Act. That's Nancy's, Nancy Pelosi's deceptively named abortion bill. Give your member of Congress a call. This is probably going to be voted on tomorrow. It might be pushed to next week. Uh, 202-224-3121 is the capital switchboard number. That's 202-224-3121. Or go to TonyPerkins.com, and uh, we'll, we've got that. we got a really easily, uh, an easy process for you to contact your member of Congress. But it's also a reminder, download the Stand Firm app, and that way all this stuff is right at your fingertips, okay? So be sure and do that. That is the uh, Women's Health Protection Act deceptively named pro-abortion bill. Right, President Biden came into office touting unity. Remember that? Remember the speech about unity? But rather than working with others, especially Republican governors, he's been talking about getting them out of the way. If they'll not help, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Well, Republican governors aren't budging. In fact, uh, time after time, they're linking arms to resist the overreach of this administration. Recently, they made a request to meet with President Biden about the situation at the southern border. They're pushing back on his mask mandates. And you know what? This is the way it's supposed to work. This is federalism in action. Well, joining me now to talk more about this, one of those governors who is resisting the overreach of the federal government is Mississippi's Governor Tate Reeves. Governor Reeves, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Great to great to be on with you today. You know, uh, this is a lesson in civics and how our system of government is supposed to work. That's why the founders created this federalist system. They were very concerned about an overreaching, all-powerful federal government. And I tell you what, I can't see, uh, I can't think of a better example than what we're seeing right now with this vaccine mandate. Well, well, that's exactly right. You know, and and the, the key point here with respect to the vaccine mandate is not only has President Biden himself assured the American people for for almost a year that there would not be a vaccine mandate. The the very people that he has appointed to various positions, Dr. Walensky at the CDC has been very adamant that we would not have a vaccine mandate. Uh, Dr. Fauci has said time after time again that not in America, that he could not envision a time in which we would have a vaccine mandate. 
But then Afghanistan occurs and the president's getting very, very bad press and, and his political and polling numbers are going down. And so all of a sudden he decides to change his tune. And, and we just don't think that's fair to the American people. We don't think it's good policy. And quite frankly, we think it's part of an attack on working class Americans and certainly working class Mississippians in which the president is trying to convince these individuals that they are going to have to choose between getting a jab in their arm and being able to provide for their families. And we just think that's a false choice. Well, there's also a lot of fear being stoked in this, that if you don't get the vaccine, you're going to die. Um, in reality, a lot of Americans already have natural immunity because they've had the virus, but that's not even factoring into the conversation, is it? Well, that's exactly right. Here in our in our state of Mississippi, we have almost 1.5 million Mississippians that have taken uh, at least the first dose of the vaccine, but we have 450,000 Mississippians that have tested positive for of the coronavirus. We know that natural immunity is, is at a minimum, uh, certainly uh, very, very, very uh, useful in avoiding uh, bad outcomes from uh, this particular virus. And so um, that that is a, a fact. And, and you know, a, a year ago, Tony, they kept talking about the, the individuals that have tested positive that probably somewhere between three and five times that many people uh, have actually had the virus and they just and many of us didn't know about it or didn't get tested. And so when you look at the combination of the natural immune, naturally immune because they've had the virus and therefore have the antibodies, plus those that have taken the vaccine, uh, it's some number uh, very, very high. We think in our state, probably in the 75 to 80 percent range, at least. And this is an issue that is better dealt with at the local level, the state level. And quite frankly, I think it's best dealt with in the family. The family makes these health decisions with guidance by their doctors. But when you look at those things which are clearly within the realm of responsibility for the federal government, you mentioned Afghanistan, national security. That certainly is in the uh, uh, hands of the federal government. They're responsible for that. And that would include security on our border. But what we see happening on our southern border um, doesn't look like they're performing their duties quite well, does it? Well, it is an absolute travesty of the way in which the Biden administration has dealt with our southern border. The, here is the number. Over 1.3 million Illegal aliens have crossed the border during the Biden administration. That is a population that is greater than 10 states in the United States, and it's almost half of the population of the state of Mississippi has illegally crossed the border into the United States. And it's all simply because President Biden and his team made the decision, a conscious decision, to reverse the policies of the Trump administration which had finally, for the first time in years, gotten illegal crossings um, at a level much less than what we're seeing today. Now, you joined with about 25 other governors in, in requesting a meeting with President Biden on the border issue. But this was just one of many, many issues that you and your Republican colleagues uh, have uh, taken a stand on. Are, are you optimistic that some of these efforts that you and uh, other Republican governors are going to take on from a legal perspective, uh, that you're going to be successful in stopping some of this federal overreach? 
Well, well we are optimistic. Uh, clearly, when you talk about the federal overreach as it relates to the vaccine mandates, I do not believe that the one person, uh, the President of the United States, can take unilateral action to require uh, vaccines. Um, and, and what I've said repeatedly is, if the President can do this, what can he not do? What can he yeah. not require? If the President of the United States can make a health care decision for individual Americans, what can he not do? What does the Constitution not allow him to do? And so we think this is clearly an unconstitutional act and one that ultimately the courts will reverse. It's not unlike the the recent um, uh, situation in which we believe that, that Biden uh, passed an order uh, as it related to renters uh, that he knew right. was clearly unconstitutional, that he didn't have the authority to do it. Literally within weeks, the Supreme Court threw that out. We think it'll be similar. Well, we're thankful that uh, the governors are fighting. And Governor, we got to go. Out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Stick with us. We're back after this. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily, but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start, or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's Word, by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. That's frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I mentioned at the top of the program, yesterday hosted a uh, a call with uh, pastors, hundreds of pastors that uh, are trying to figure out how to deal with this vaccine mandate. Well, there's a lot of unknowns because we don't know the entirety of the mandate because the Department of Labor that is forcing these private companies with more than 100 employees to get a vax for them to get vaccinated. Uh, those rules aren't out yet. Uh, they will soon be out. And, and so uh, I want we were talking about that, but there's there's other things that you need to know about in terms of your rights, 
uh, how we should respond to this mandate. And let me state, you know, from the top once again, so that YouTube doesn't take this off or Facebook doesn't scratch it off. I'm not against the vaccine. Uh, I, I think it should be up to you individually. If you, based upon your health situation, to based, based upon what risk category you might be in, you have to weigh the risk that are associated with the vaccine. And there's clearly risk associated with it. And you've got to look at the risk of getting uh, the the the, uh, the virus. As I said, I've I've had it. I've got natural immunity. There are millions of Americans that have natural immunity that have uh, been uh, exposed to this and had COVID, not being discussed, which raises uh, you know questions about what's really behind this mandate. But anyway, here to talk more about this to uh, equip us with the answers of you know is this a constitutional overreach? Do we have rights? Well, joining us now to talk about this is a professor of law at Catholic University, former commissioner on the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Bob Destro. Bob, welcome to Washington Watch. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. It's uh, good to be here. And it was great to be on your program yesterday. Yeah, the pastors really found that very informative. And and so I, I feel like, um, you know, our broader liter- listening audience could benefit from some of this information in terms of do they have constitutional rights? Do they have to just surrender to these mandates? And what might we be seeing in the days and weeks ahead? Well, as I said to the group yesterday, uh, the fact that, that somebody declares an emergency doesn't mean that all of your constitutional rights go out the window. Uh, as uh, probably the the most succinct way to put it is who died and left President Biden in charge of, of forcing us to get shots. I don't see anything in the Constitution that authorizes that. I see plenty in the Constitution that forbids that. And the fact that uh, a recent poll I was just looking in The Economist today uh, saying that about 60%, right about 60% of Americans believe in the mandates. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's a number that's up to us to, to change. And, uh, and, and that's what we need to do by way of advocacy and, and spreading the word out there that these things are not nearly as safe as they say they are. All right, let's talk practically, uh, Bob, for a moment, because there's, there's soon, when these rules are out, there's going to be a number of Americans that work for companies, large companies with over 100 employees that are going to be faced with the choice of getting this vaccine, being it, letting it be forced upon them or losing their jobs. Now, there'll be court challenges, I'm sure, as soon as this, these rules are promulgated. But what is the individual employee to do? What options are available to him? Well, the first thing you have to do, in, and I want to make sure that people understand as I say this, that I I can't give them legal advice. I mean, the, they, if they have specific uh, issues with respect to their specific company or their employer, then they should certainly talk to a trusted attorney uh, who can give them local advice. Uh, but, but generally speaking, you need to find out exactly what the policy is, uh, when it's going to be enforced, what appeal rights you have. Um, and as you pointed out earlier, there are not simply religious exemptions. There are medical exemptions. All of these policies uh, have exemptions built into them. Uh, probably one of the most glaring ones is the exemption that Congress has from the mandate. So uh, there are rules for thee and there are rules for me in this new regime. And, uh, and we need to stand up and, and talk about them. 
One thing practical uh, that employees, individuals need to consider is that if you are forced to take the vaccine and, 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 and again, I think, you know, based upon your situation, you need to make that decision. You might have moral, you might have a moral uh, consideration, uh, a conscientious objection. You can exercise that individually. But one thing, and we talked about this yesterday, is not to sign any waivers that would uh, indemnify or let your employer or the government off the hook if there are some side effects to you getting the vaccine. No, there's no question about it. And, and let me come back and underscore something you said at the very outset is, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to the vaccine either. You know, what I'm opposed to is the censorship of conversations that will allow us to figure out whether it's a good idea for each of us in our individual circumstances to take it. And, uh, and so the idea that, uh, that, that there should be no consequences to people who are imposing their will on you against your will without having given you all the information you need to make an informed judgment, uh, those are not only, uh, I think, criminal uh, in, in their character, but they're certainly torts. And, uh, and if you get hurt, and a lot of people have, uh, then there needs to be lawsuits for damages. Yeah. And there's a number of attorneys, I'm sure, standing by for that one. Uh, Bob well, Destro, we're out have, of have cards will travel. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're out of time, Bob. Thanks for joining us. And it was great to have you on the, uh, the call with the pastors yesterday as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. All right. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more when those uh, rules come out. All right, folks, uh, look, you know, just prayerfully consider what you need to do. And you can contact groups like ADF, Liberty Council, and others that are willing to, uh, to help. All right, stick around. We're going to be talking about the life issue in Congress and in the Virginia governor's race. Next with Brent Kiner. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically, one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength in this culture? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. 
Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you at TonyPerkins.com, including a means for you to get your own stand mug. This is 15 ounces of pure USA ceramic, all right? Uh, Not made in China. It is made in the good old U.S. of A. And, um, You know, it's a great way to wake up every morning with a reminder to stand firm for truth. So if you'd like to uh, get your own uh, stand firm mug, it's the official mug of Washington Watch. All right. So uh, go to TonyPerkins.com and uh, follow links over. Also, make a note of this. October the 6th through the 8th, we'll be having our first Pray Vote Stand Summit. Now, this is replacing the Values Voters Summit that we did for 15 years This will be uh, coming to you from churches. In fact, our first event is going to be at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, which has been kind of the epicenter of the battle over public education. That'll be one of the one of many topics that we will be addressing to find out more about it. The speakers already confirmed to go to uh, TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. As I mentioned at the top of the program last night, In advance of Nancy Pelosi pushing her pro-abortion bill, trying to codify Roe v. Wade into law prior to the Supreme Court actually taking this back up again, which they will be doing on December the 1st, oral arguments in the Dobbs case coming out of Mississippi. Um, She was she's pushing this probably going to be tomorrow. Not sure. Could be pushed to next week. But anyway. Republican members, as we talked about earlier, went to the House floor last night for a special order to talk about this issue. And I just pulled just a couple of clips because they actually ran out of time. They had over an hour worth of uh, speeches. So many members wanted to speak. In fact, they didn't all get to speak. It was managed by uh, my good friend, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, and he was one of the ones that uh, spoke. Former chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Now he's a part of the House leadership Uh, Here is just a clip of what uh, Congressman Mike Johnson had to say last night in this special order. You'll hear a lot tonight about the Democrats' abortion on demand until birth legislation. We're we're talking about it tonight. All my colleagues who will be joining me here tonight, many, will speak to this issue because it's one of the darkest, most brazen, most extreme bills ever brought to this floor. It would legalize on-demand abortion until birth. It would remove nearly all pro-life protections for the unborn. 
and it would abolish laws that prevent even late-term abortion. It is barbaric, and it must be stopped. Yeah, as, as we talked about earlier with Congressman Miller, this would eliminate all of the provisions that states have passed over the years, which has actually led us to this point of educating the public, helping women understand that this really is a life. It's not a blob of tissue, as Planned Parenthood likes to say and claim falsely. Um, all of that would be erased by this measure that Nancy Pelosi is pushing. Another one of the uh, speakers last night, uh, a frequent guest on our program, um, Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler had this to say. Simply put, this bill will allow health care providers to perform an abortion on anyone for any reason at any time up until birth. By erasing state parental consent protections, informed consent laws, and dangerous take-home chemical abortion prohibitions, this bill would allow a 16-year-old pregnant minor to show up at an abortion clinic and without knowing how far along she is or any of the risk associated with an abortion procedure, be sent home to perform a chemical abortion on herself without medical supervision and without her parents' awareness. This is far-reaching legislation. And so, uh, again, I would encourage you to let your voice be heard. We have tools available for you to weigh in with your members of Congress. Go to TonyPerkins.com. That is the measure that's being pushed tomorrow. Most likely the vote will take place. It is the Women's Health Protection Act being pushed by Nancy Pelosi. Look, we have never, and I've, as I said, I've been here over 18 years, coming up on 20 years. Uh, and I've been in politics for 25 years. I have never, ever, there's never been a time where there's a clear contrast between the two parties on this issue than there is today. It's in the party platforms. Uh, it's in their policies that they're pushing. It's in their people that, they're, that are leading their efforts. It is, it is clear the contrast is undeniable. And joining me now to talk more about this is Brent Kylan. He is the vice president of FRC Action. Brent, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. This is one of many defining issues, but of course, for our audience and for us, we understand, as I was talking earlier with, I don't know if you heard the interview with Mary Miller, but this is a spiritual issue. And this is an issue of right and wrong, light and darkness. This is one we've got to get right, and I'm, and I'm optimistic that we may be close to what would literally be repentance, turning around as the court would re-decide this issue and say, and at least give it back to the states, and the states can do the right thing. But this, uh, this contrast between the two parties, there is a race in Virginia, a governor's race that is taking place right now between Terry McAuliffe and Glenn Youngkin, who is the Republican and this issue is one of those issues of clear contrast between those two candidates, those two parties, and it's a clear choice for the people of Virginia. Tell our listeners about that. 
That's absolutely right, Tony. It it really is. And just a little bit uh, of additional background on the on the race. Um, this is probably going to be the most watched race uh, this fall, early November, uh, because of the uh, the competitive nature of Virginia. And this will be the the first um, state like this where they have their legislative elections since. Um, Biden took took office. A lot of people will be watching that. A few other states states as well, but Virginia is expected to be the most competitive. So a lot of people will be watching Virginia to see what happens, to see if we can glean any insights, get the pulse on the nation going into next year's uh, national midterms. But we really do, Tony. As you said, we have a very clear contrast between uh, these two candidates, the Democrat um, Democrat candidate Terry McAuliffe. He has been governor before um, because of the way the laws work. He had to take a term off, so he's not technically the incumbent, but he does have a, a record. And then we have Republican uh, Glenn Youngkin taking him on this fall. And this issue has surfaced in debates. It's it's come up quite a bit. It has become a, a very significant issue. And if you look at where the candidate stands specifically, uh, I'll start with uh, Terry McAuliffe, uh, just some incredibly concerning positions. Um, we, we listened to those comments uh, that were made on the House floor at the federal level. At the state level in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe is supporting some of those very same things, Tony. And I'll, I'll give some specifics here. Um, he is called for the, the codification, the enshrinement of Roe v. Wade in the state constitution. So you know, state constitution, most difficult uh, way to get something into law is, is into the st uh, state constitution. That's the hardest way to undo something. And so he wants abortion uh, through all nine months up to the moment of birth to be enshrined in the state constitution. A couple other things I think are very noteworthy here. Uh, many listeners and viewers, no doubt, remember the, uh, the, the issue that surfaced in Virginia a couple of years ago when we had the Kathy Tran bill and then Governor Northam's infamous comments. When that bill came up, the Kathy Tran bill, again, that, that legalizes uh, birthday abortion up until a moment of birth, Terry McAuliffe said he thinks that's a common sense piece of legislation. He didn't just say he supports it. He actually thinks it's common sense. And then if you look at Governor Northam and, and just those bone chilling comments that were made where he said, you know, if a, if a baby survives a failed abortion, it'll be kept comfortable. A conversation between the mother and the physician will ensue. And then they'll make that determination uh, as far as what happens to that baby. That's what Governor Northam said. Governor Northam has endorsed Terry McAuliffe for governor. Um, I could go on and on. Uh, Terry McAuliffe has called himself, uh, he wants to be a, a rock wall for abortion rights. Uh, he was asked if there are any uh, common sense um, uh, measures he would support, any type of restrictions at all. He failed to list a single restriction that he would support on abortion. So that's Terry McAuliffe. If you look at Glenn Youngkin, um, about a week ago, he actually came out with his pro-life uh, platform and policies that he's going to be pushing on the issue. He said uh, he's pro-life. He believes um, life begins at conception. He wants to stand for um, the unborn and their mothers. He also listed a couple of specific legislative steps that he wants to push, one of which is the uh, the pain-capable bill. And... Um, 
and uh, he wants to push, uh, push, promote that, the, the point at which uh, babies can feel pain 20 weeks. That's what science tells us. So he wants to advance that in Virginia. And then he also wants to ensure taxpayers are not forced to fund abortion on the taxpayer dime in Virginia. I've got a couple of clips. We played uh, one of these clips at the top of the program of uh, McAuliffe at a press conference attacking uh, Youngkin over his positions. I want to play that clip again. I believe it's uh, if it's clip seven. Let's play that clip again. Let me be clear. Glenn Youngkin has said, I will go on the offense. I will defund Planned Parenthood. I will ban abortions. Glenn Youngkin wants to turn Virginia into Texas. We're not going to allow it. So, you know, he's he's going he's attacking Youngkin over his pro-life views. But then I want to take a clip of uh, Glenn Youngkin at the the last I guess it was I think they only did one debate. but It was the most recent debate, uh, gubernatorial debate, where uh, he pointed out McCullough's pro-abortion positions. Uh, I believe that's clip eight. Friends, my opponent wants to be the abortion governor. And I want to be the jobs governor. Mr. Youngkin, your time is up. Mr. Youngkin, I just want to be clear. You said you wouldn't sign a Texas law, but I'm not asking about the Texas law. I'm asking about a law that bans abortion when a fetal heartbeat can be detected and a law that includes the exceptions you support for rape, incest, and to preserve the life of the mother. Would you sign that law? Susan, we can sit down and write legislation together. What I have said is that I do believe that a pain threshold bill legislation would be appropriate. Now, as you pointed out, this race is um, a race being watched by the rest of the country. Uh, Brent, as Virginia has off-year elections, it's often seen as kind of a bellwether in terms of which way the, the public is going. And again, um, you know, Virginia's kind of been tracking a little purple, uh, moving to the blue side. But the Democrats have become so radical that this race is really neck and neck. And it could come down to a handful of votes deciding which way it goes. And then that could influence, as you said, the midterm elections in 2022. That's absolutely right, Tony. And in, in some ways, you, you kind of have to look at Terry McAuliffe as an incumbent. He's not, but he has that level of name ID. So we would expect him to start out with a polling advantage just because the voters simply know who he is. Glenn, Glenn Youngkin is new to the political scene. Um, the polling has been consistently narrowing. Uh, early voting is underway, by, uh, by the way, in Virginia. It, it started um, last week, very long early voting period, about a month and a half in Virginia. Um, and yeah, these polls are showing, uh, pointing to a, a close race with the gap uh, shrinking. Um, so I, I think it will be uh, very close and, and, and very well could kind of set the tone for those huge midterm races next year. So, folks, I know we've got listeners in Virginia, and I want to encourage you to make sure that you vote in this election. And, um, and, and pastors, I want to encourage you to encourage your congregations to make sure that they vote, because this could have implications far beyond the borders of Virginia. Uh, very quickly, uh, Brent, we're almost out of time, but this week, FRC Action hosted another school board boot camp uh, tell our listeners about it and how they can find out about the information that you presented this week. 
Well, we did, Tony. Uh, we had a great response. We had hundreds of people from the con uh, across the country tune in. Um, this was related to uh, FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests. For those who would like to tune in, we are working on getting that on our website at frcaction.org slash schools. So you can visit that link and, and, and catch up on that. But this is uh, uh, an important but often overlooked tool uh, with these Freedom of Information Act requests. We got a lot of energy across the uh, country, people wanting to weigh in, particularly at the school board level, and make sure, you know, with some of this indoctrination and things that are being, um, that are being forced into the schools, parents are wondering what can they do. FOIA is actually a, crest, uh, a, a type of request you can utilize you don't have to be a lawyer to, to do this. We walk through those steps on how to do that, how every, every parent, every concerned citizen, if you're not getting that transparent information from your local school board, how you can utilize this as a tool and uh, encourage people to watch it, Tony. We, we have to be holding our, our school boards accountable. Uh, we appreciate a judicial watch walking us through how that process typically works. And they just unpacked how even at the local level, not just holding uh, big government bureaucracy at the federal level accountable, accountable or something like that, but even at the school board level, parents and concerned citizens can utilize that type of a tool. It's a great tool, great resource. Um, Brent, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that brings us to the end of yet another program. But I encourage you to be involved. And uh, this is a great way to do it. Local school board, run for school board. We've got resources there available for you as well at FRC Action. But also make use of these tools to keep your locally elected officials accountable. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 